Katie Gill is a registered dietitian nutritionist. She helps busy professionals lose weight and ditch emotional eating without following rigid meal plans. Katie cares deeply about teaching clients how to feel confident with their food choices, regardless if they're eating at home, on a plane, or happy hour. It's an area in her own life that she struggled with for many years. In her teens, Katie went on her first diet. What started out as a simple idea to shed a few pounds turned into a decade of complicated relationship with food. She remembers being so confused about which diet would be best for her. She tried them all, but never found one that she could maintain. Now, a decade later, Katie found a style of eating that she can easily maintain at her desired weight while still enjoying life. She has coached hundreds of clients to do the same. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today, Katie. Can you tell everybody where to find you on social and your website? Thanks, Libby. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Katie Gill, and my IG handle is Katie Gill Wellness. Awesome. And you could just talk to us a little bit about your private practice journey and your stage of business so we're all familiar with your trajectory so far. So I started my practice in 2017, so it's a little over three years old now. And I kind of always knew I wanted to do private practice. So it was something I had my sights on like well before I was able to get there. And my kind of journey with it was when I was working at my last hospital, I was specifically with weight loss clients, teaching weight loss classes and working with them one-on-one. And I loved it, but there always was this kind of nagging feeling of I could do this better on my own. And it just kind of got to this point where I had a certain amount saved up in the bank and I started working at the hospital I was at. I was doing four days a week, 10 hour days. And so I had Fridays off. So I started seeing people kind of on Fridays. And I remember talking to my fiance and he was like, listen, if there's ever a time to like jump and try this, it's right now. And so I kind of was like, you know what, I'm going to try this for a year. If I fall flat on my face, I live in a city, pretty easy to get a job as a dietitian in a city. So I'll just go back and get another job. And I luckily never had to do that. Here we are three years later. That's great. And so if we were to go back to three years ago, how fearful was it when you decided to make that job? It sounds like the support of your fiance was definitely helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, tell us how that felt for many of us. It's like paralyzing, right? To be in that position. Absolutely. It was super, super scary. I'm not going to undermine it. And even though that was three years ago, in a lot of ways, I still remember that like it was yesterday. I think I really set myself up like try to limit all my bills. I got rid of my car. I got rid of like all these unnecessary expenses. I also started teaching fitness on the side and kind of calculated that again. And I was like, okay, well I could pay rent and groceries on that if like all else fails. But I don't know. It just kind of felt like it was a now or never thing. And I, it got so, I think I just was like, I would rather try this and fail then never try it at all. And I remember walking into my boss's office, who I actually loved. She was such a mentor to me. And I told her, and Libby, she flat out was like, I think you're crazy. Like, I can't believe you're walking away from six weeks of paid vacation, from maternity leave, from all the, from great health insurance. And I just said to her, well, I'm not pregnant for <laughs> the maternity leave. And 
you might be right. And I might come crawling back a year later, begging for this position back, but I have to try it. And I should say too, both of my parents owned their own practices or my mom was a doctor. She owned her own practice. My dad also worked for himself. So I had two role models of people doing it. It didn't make it any easier, but I think watching them growing up, making their own schedules, being the boss, and then being in a hospital where you were very much as a dietitian, not the boss, I knew I really wanted to be the boss at some point. I love that story. And so do you keep in touch with her or does she understand? I do. I do. And the funniest thing was, Libby, like my first year of private practice, not knowing anything about marketing or business, I made more than being at the hospital. That's incredible. And did you say that to her in the most delicate kind way? I did. <laughs> and how did that go down? Did she, yeah. did she have a, you know, anything to stand on after that? A leg to stand on? Or how did that she was, I mean, she was super happy for me, but she, you know, she just couldn't get over like leaving the comfort of all of those other things. And I think I knew where she was coming from so much where you know, my dad had a really great thing because I called them and I told my parents I was doing this. I wasn't asking their permission. I was, you know, I was just like, I'm going to do this by this date. And my mom was like, do it. And my dad said, you know, I have to say, I don't have enough to tell you it's a good idea, but I don't have enough to tell you it's a bad idea either. And so it was just very like, all right, here I go. So it just, it just worked. And I have never regretted it since. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. I think so many people are going to listen and relate and we all know that how fearful it can be. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, and the fun part is that you stayed in touch with the, the boss. So it sounds like it's a good relationship. Just one of those experiences where you're maybe not on the same page about something and you, you know, push through anyway. Um, and mm-hmm. that's fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about the types of clients that you work with. You did mention, you know, weight loss is your background. How has this niche evolved? Is this the type of person that you see in your private practice primarily? How has that shifted, if anything, in the last few years of being in private practice? Absolutely. So it's definitely, I would say my target audience are mostly women, but I do take men too who are in their 30s. They're high up professionals, uh, really educated people who have gained anywhere from like 15 to 30 pounds over the past five, 10 years. A lot of it because they are so dedicated to their job. And a lot of my clients travel up to 80 to 90% of the time for their job. So eating has become pretty unpredictable or they have to go out and entertain their own clients a lot with food and happy hours. And they have some pretty expensive business suits that they're starting to have a hard time buttoning and fitting into. And they need a plan that's not a super structured meal plan, but they need to know how can I eat if I'm on an airplane? How can I eat if I'm at a happy hour? How can I eat if I'm at my house or someone else's? So really teaching them like what needs to be on their plate, no matter where they are and letting them feel confident in that. That's fantastic. And has that evolved in the last few years? Or do you find that as your practice has developed, you've attracted more of the similar types of people who kind of fall into that category, assuming that 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 is who you like to work with. It's definitely my favorite group to work with. It definitely evolves. You know, I think for me, I feel like this might be a lot of people, but I don't, I don't know. I, I think, you know, initially my target audience was 
someone my age and now it's like they're getting older because I'm getting older. So it, it definitely, my target audience very much reflects like where I'm at. And so just you get more and more specific, I guess, the longer you're in private practice. And they're the people I have the most fun working with. Yeah. That's so fantastic. that's how it's Yeah, that's great. And as far as what do you have for tips? I'd like to get into talking a little bit more about social media, but when it comes to attracting those specific types of clients, how do you build the no like and trust factor when you're trying to get them to work with you? What, what are the most effective strategies? So I had no real strategies three months ago before I started working with you on Instagram. I felt really kind of like I was bouncing around and some weeks I'd post four times and then I'd go weeks without posting anything and then I'd be on stories. I have 20 stories in a day and then nothing for a month. So I'm still very new at the social media, but since working with you, over the past three months, I've been really focusing on having content that brings up specific problems and outcomes and solutions for that specific target market. And I think, as you always say, you know, showing your face both on your posts, but in your stories so people can hear you talk, they see that you're approachable. My approach is always very non-judgmental, big picture, practical solutions. And I think when people can hear you, you feel much more like a real person. And that makes them more interested in signing up for a call with you, hearing more, and then potentially becoming a client. Amazing. And so that, yep, you broke it down really well. (laughs) So as far as being specific, showing your face, being a relatable human that can connect with a specific type of person, how has that increased business, if at all? So specifically before, I mean, I can even tell you before I started working with you also this past year, just as a side note, my fiance and I moved from one state to another and my business did kind of take a hit with that because it was just a lot of moving parts just personally for me to try to figure all of that out and buying our first house together. So I came to you because my revenue was down from where it typically was. I also moved from a city where a lot of my ideal clients, I was just kind of walking into all the time. And now I'm in uh, less of a city area. So it was a little bit more figuring that out. And that's also why I reached out to you. So when I came to you, it was because the number of calls I was getting were so like, I was barely getting one a week. And I really needed to drive more calls to potential clients coming in. And just by showing my face on stories, I think I try for about three times a week to really talk for a while on the stories and then putting five posts up a week. I currently get anywhere between five to 10 calls per week. Amazing. Over the past three months, that's been pretty consistent too. That's incredible. So that's like five times what you had before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And thank you for sharing that. That's really inspiring. So the listeners should know showing your face can 5x your calls per week as far as increasing visibility. You know, that being said that you, you already have a clear idea of who you're talking to. So you're showing your face and you have a clear problem solution and outcome that you are marketing. And, you know, just to anybody listening, like I really know my audience and I've been doing the dietitian piece of it for so long that that I feel so comfortable and confident with in my services. But the marketing is still something I really consider myself such a beginner at. And even now with my posts, 
I still know I'm fine tuning them every time and I still will post it and know that there's an area for improvement, but I think you just have to do it to find out what the area of improvement is and you're never going to get there until you start doing it. Love that. Yeah, so true. And we all find that out so late, right? (laughs) Wish I would have done that sooner. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So then as far as Instagram, how did your feed look like before versus after just to paint a picture for the listeners? You did say you've been more consistent. Can you explain a little bit about how this, the style uh, or maybe put into words with the problem solution outcome about how that's changed since before with your design? Yeah, I think before it was random pictures of myself or of food. And I would put thoughtful captions related to my business on there, but that would be hoping someone would take the time to read the caption. And since working with you and really being five times a week as a non-negotiable for myself, I almost try to think of it as tell the whole story in the picture and, and make the caption below it secondary or not even 100% necessary to get the point across of what you're trying to say. Well, you just said that really well. So thank you for explaining that so succinctly. Yes, definitely. I would agree that that is a little reverse to assume that the caption is going to hook them in because they're not going to read the caption if the post doesn't capture their attention. But when it does capture their attention, if it does its job, which it has for you, the caption is so secondary. So yes, it's a great opportunity to, to relate, but not to put too much emphasis into the caption and know that your actual post content is what's drawing them in. So fantastic. And what about your process for creating content? Since I I love that you said the five days a week is non-negotiable. Do you have any kind of quick tips or things you want to share with the listeners about that? To be honest, it's something I'm still working on. I am still creating my content almost every day, which I don't recommend anybody doing it. Since I do work from myself, I have a little bit more flexibility and I have a really solid kind of morning routine that I've kind of just added the Instagram post into my morning routine, but it's definitely a goal for me over the rest of, you know, 2020 to start trying to do like three to five posts in batches for the week ahead. But I'm also, since I still feel kind of like new with this, I'm still really trying to go back every week and see what were the top performing posts? What should I really focus on for this upcoming week? What maybe should I let go of? and going from there. But I know I will be able to get there because of how I'm doing it now. And so for anybody who's like me, who feels like there's no way I could make five posts in one sitting, you don't have to, you can work your way to that. And the more you engage with this process on a day-to-day basis, the faster it starts to get. Love that. Super helpful tips you're giving. Really valuable episode. And I love that you're talking about the process being more important than the actual execution of how many, I mean, that's basically what you're saying, so the process of reviewing top performing. I mean, ideally you'll get to a space where you're making a couple at a time, but that matters less than you actually knowing what you're doing when you are creating those posts. We, we don't make it all work at the same time. Like there's always um, going to be an evolution of a content creation process. Uh, when I even remember our first uh, group session, I said, I'm going to aim for three posts a week because I, I knew I couldn't batch. Like I just wasn't, I didn't feel like I was there and you were like, five. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so I've been doing that, but you know, and it just, you just got to start where you are sometimes and, and go from there. And that's, that's honestly what's worked for me. And I know I will be able to get to the batching soon. Love it. Yeah. Really relatable. 
And uh, yeah, if we could shift a little bit then to talking about your offer, can you walk us through a little bit about how you created it and what you're selling now to help you with scaling? So coming into working with you, I had a three-month offer with my one-on-one clients, which I don't know how detailed you want me to get with that. Whatever you feel comfortable with. So that's kind of weekly check-ins for an hour where there's set topics we go over every time, we set goals, we have check-ins in between every session. So my clients feel really super supported. And then I had this great problem when I started working with you where all of a sudden I was really panicking about how I was going to keep taking on more people. So the next step was starting to funnel people into a group coaching program, which my very first group coaching program started last week. We had our first call and I haven't even been able to tell you this yet, but it was amazing. And I was like, why did this take me so long to do this? It was energizing, you know, where I've had three years of working with people one-on-one 60 minute sessions. All of a sudden I had five people in a 60 minute session who all got about 10 minutes to speak. And so many questions were addressed that everybody in the group benefited from. It was a lot less work on my end. And I was like, oh my gosh, five people would have been five hours of my week is now one hour of my week. I understand how this works now. I understand how you can keep continuing to grow where I really did not know how I was going to keep doing that. Fantastic. That sounds like a successful first group and first call. And it sounds like it felt good. And I have no doubt that your clients got a lot of benefit from that as well. I think they did. They all seemed really excited about it. It's fantastic. So when it comes to, you already said it, you wish you would have done that sooner as far as your offer, given that that one, and you mentioned it for efficiency, which is profitability as well. So like for that one hour of your time, you've been seeing clients one-on-one and you can for what that one hour, see more people during that one time, which will help you see more people make more money and build community while still offering a lower price point since the groups are going to be lower price point than the private. Is that right? Yes. I know you're new to the group model, but how does that shift the future goals, financial goals or anything as far as, you know, the future of Katie Gill? What does that mean for you? So I'm new to it in my own practice, but I also, where I was teaching at the last hospital I was at, I was teaching group classes. So I already knew I liked them, but I think you come from that model and it's really hard to say like, well, how will I do that? And it's funny because I, I definitely tried it at one other point, Libby, and I just, everybody I tried to sell it to all told me they all only wanted one-on-one. And I think it also goes to show how you're talking about it. So if you feel insecure, the person reads that and feels that and will not opt in for it. But because I was getting to this point where I was like, this is the only option, like it's this, or you're going to have to wait a few months. Every single person in a matter of two weeks that I I talked to about it jumped on it. So I definitely, this time around, it's a six-week program. I see myself extending that to kind of what my current one-on-one package is, a three-month program as a group, and up-leveling continuation packages from there that are potentially longer than the three-month for people who haven't reached their goals yet or just want that continued accountability and support. And what's also cool about the group model is having a private Facebook group for all those people, they're all each other's accountability and support on top of it. So it's not all on me to make sure each person feels that level of support, which 
when you're running your own practice, there's so many hats you're wearing all the time. It's nice to not have to do that for every single person on top of everything else you have to do all the time. Yeah. And you, and you explained that really well. That sounds super clear. I'm really excited for, for the future of your company and you continue no. these groups and then have the um, continuation offer. And I can also say the community that you give people on their weight loss journey is very powerful. So there's research that shows, you know, being facilitating groups and people learning in groups is extremely beneficial, not to mention with COVID and everything, people definitely want that sense of connection. So it's really nice to be able to facilitate that. You attract those common people you've described at the top of the interview, and then you're putting them into a community where they're able to network and feel relatable and feel comfortable and then have you as the leader. So it's just all around fantastic. So exciting to see how that'll progress for your business. And I know I came into this having, you know, been in private practice a little bit longer where some of your clients are are pretty new to private practice, but so I have not worked with you for that long. And I, I have done other group programs specifically for dietitians. And I, I really wholeheartedly mean it that this is the fastest like growth I've had. And in a, I think a three month period we've been working together, maybe a little longer than that. So I, I know so much of the success I've had during this time has been because of your program. Well, I so much appreciate that, Katie. I Um, really mean it. I've done a lot of other programs, spent a lot of money and other things. And also Instagram is challenging but it's so figure outable compared to learning SEO and Google AdWords and paid Facebook ads and video like there's those are so much more intimidating than you have to post on Instagram five days a week so and Instagram is free right like so you throw something up and if it doesn't work you recreate it and you keep trying and keep fine-tuning but that has been such a nice learning curve too on my end from you. That's great. I appreciate that reflection. That's also nice for listeners because they do come to me and they ask, where do I start? And so I like that you're saying starting from Instagram, which is free is a great way to attract clients versus some of the other options like SEO, which is actually pretty complicating (laughs) and ads and our, you said Google ads, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I appreciate that reflection. And, Let's see, a couple other questions I wanted to ask. What advice would you have for somebody who uh, is interested in getting, maybe they, they have a practice like you and they want to shift away, maybe they're taking insurance. What would be the number one tip that you would give somebody who wants to grow their business both in profit and satisfaction? I think... The first thing is to start with packages and really get away from one-off sessions with people. It's so much more stressful on you as the dietitian to answer every hundred questions a random person comes into in a one session and not know if you're going to see them again, where you get such a more invested client if you sell a program or a package. And if that sounds super intimidating, a bundle, right? Like, Uh, three sessions as a minimum or six sessions as a minimum. And then, you know, you don't have to deliver a hundred things in session one because you have three or four or five more sessions to talk to them about that and check in with them. And honestly, that gets you away from trying to see a hundred people in a week. It really 
brings the stress and anxiety down on your end. And I, I truly have seen and believe that clients get better results from bundles or packages than these one-off sessions. And I recently, I had a great client who's brought in a few other clients for me, say like my niece is in between dietitians. Would you do this one-off session with her before she goes to her next dietitian at college or I don't know, something like that. And two years ago, or maybe even a year ago, I would have said, okay, sure. And I just said, I don't do that. I'm sorry. Like I only offer this. And it feels so nice to be there to just say, no, I don't do that. I love that. I absolutely, that shows so much growth. Uh, to be able to put your foot down and know what you do and don't do in your practice. That's so clear. And it makes you more attractive to the clients. It really does. And I don't know that I would have believed that three years ago because I tried to be everything to every client that called me. But when you set higher standards, you get higher standard clients. It just almost always happens that way. And why do you think dietitians struggle with setting higher standards? I don't know. I don't want to speak for all dietitians, but I think we as a group tend to be very accommodating people. We tend to love what we do and feel guilty about charging a lot of money for it. So I think that's a big piece of it. And we didn't go to school for business and marketing and you go to school. I mean, I can't tell you how many professors and practitioners said to me like, well, you don't go to school to become a dietitian because of the money. You go to it because you love it. And it's such a messed up thing to say to dietitians because it, it gets ingrained in you, but you can love your job and make good money. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I was going to say, I think it's a lot of mindset, but you gave examples of that as well. And it, it's obviously stems from, from school and a lot of other, a lot of other things. I would agree with that, that we're trained to not assume that we can make money. So it's just a new thing to think that that's possible and it's not evil to make money and provide an excellent service and transform our clients. But we can have both. We can work for ourselves and give up a six-week paid vacation from our clinical hospital Mm -hmm. and still maintain the friendship of our previous boss if that kind of fits in with your particular situation. So I, I love that story. That's fantastic. Would you mind leaving us today sharing either your, your revenue or your revenue goals to inspire the audience? Sure. So when I came to you uh, a little over three months ago, I was barely making about like 5,000 a month. And that was lower for me than it had been when I was in the city. And over the past three months of working with you, I've hit over 10K every month. My July... I have hit 12K and we still have five more days left of July. So there's still some potential for that to go up. Moving forward, my goals are initially to hit 15K and then I'd like to go up to 20K plus. It's incredible. And I have no doubt with your drive and the model that you have and your ability to, you know, you have the processes in place that you will hit it. So Thank you for sharing that amazing story and journey. Is there anything you want to leave us with or leave the listeners with today as we wrap up? I think we've said a lot. I I think just to piggyback on all the other stuff is just start before you're ready because you will never be ready. And I'm sure you've had a lot of 
and a Ruiz say the same thing, but it's so true. And sometimes it's just good to hear it for the fifth or 10th or a hundredth time that there's never a perfect time to do this. You know, just like I tell my clients, there's never a perfect time of year to lose weight. It's challenging and easy, like equal parts of all seasons. It's the same with this, you know, set yourself up, kind of make a three month plan at the bare minimum, but just, just start. I love it. I love it so much. Thank you. This has been an incredibly helpful episode and I've truly enjoyed interviewing you. So thank you for your time. And if you could just remind everybody where to find you on Instagram and connect with you. Thank you, Libby, for your time. It's at Katie Gilwamas on Instagram. Awesome. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.